Are you feeling increasingly uncomfortable with your church due to doctrinal drift that is resulting from a lack of preaching and teaching that is firmly based on the Word of God? Well, if so, don't feel like the Lone Ranger because the trend in Christendom today toward a doctrineless Christianity is epidemic. What can be done about it? And more specifically, what can you do? Stay tuned as we talk with one of Christendom's foremost authorities on spiritual apostasy. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. Once again this week, we have as our special guest, Eric Barger, founder and director of an apologetics ministry called Take a Stand. Welcome back, Eric. Thank you, David. We really appreciate you coming back for a second week. I'm just glad to be with you. And also again this week, I have my colleague Nathan Jones here to assist me with interviewing Eric. Glad to have you back also, Nathan. It's a pleasure. Thank you, sir. You know, Eric, uh, I want to begin our discussion this week by having you talk a little bit about doctrine. Now, the reason I'm raising this is because it seems to me that more and more the attitude among professing Christians today is that either doctrine is irrelevant, because all we need to do is just love Jesus, or doctrine is really to be avoided because it is an obstacle to Christian unity. What about it? We see doctrine all through the Bible. When the Bible teaches a theme, teaches something to us again and again, we develop it, and it's been developed over the years into doctrine. Doctrine is not a dirty word, but it has become a dirty word in some circles. Oh, yes. uh, a lot of pastors have elected to not preach doctrine, especially stuff on like eschatology and things that they believe are somehow um, hard to understand. And, and so we see doctrine being left behind. I'm big on the central or essential doctrines of the faith. The virgin birth, the blood atonement, salvation by grace, the inerrancy of the scripture, the trinity, the deity of Jesus. You know, the the essentials of the faith that have held us together for 2,000 years. Those are the things that will hold us together in times of trouble and distress in the world. And that's what we need to be preaching. That's the job of the church. But instead... I believe many churches, uh, and many maybe haven't thought it through, have decided to preach the latest plan that man has come up with, the latest book, the latest workbook, uh, the latest new DVD series. And, and, and all of that's fine. I mean, stuff about marriage and uh, uh, plans about how to handle your finances are wonderful, but those things don't equate to the gospel. We need the solid doctrines of the faith to be taught to us faithfully. And you know, a lot of Christians say, I've, I've already heard that. I don't need to hear it again. We need to hear it over and over and over. I need to hear it. All of us here, the camera people, all the crew, we all do. Everybody watching, we need to hear the doctrines of the faith taught to us. Well, if we don't, we end up with what we have in Christendom today, and that is ignorance in the pew. The average Christian today just simply could not give you the scriptural basis for the Trinity or for the deity of Jesus or the Virgin, or whatever. You know, That's it, right. there's just an, a famine of the Word and an ignorance of the fundamentals of the faith. And the Scripture teaches there'll be a famine of the Word, too, yeah. in the book of Amos. But even as much as that, you know, it all leads us to what we see happening 
happening in our churches, which is really the apostasy of the end times, if we don't know what we believe and it has not been ingrained in our thinking as this is what Christianity is, then we'll begin to believe all kinds of things and not believe or want to discount the central doctrines of the faith. And you know, something I, that sounds like a broken record every time I say it, but it all comes back to uh, to the respect that we hold the Bible and the yes, the, yeah. the honor that we the, we hold the Bible to. It is the most important thing we can learn. I have a friend in Lexington, Kentucky, named Gene Eason, and Gene was like a fourth generation Jehovah's Witness. I, and, I know Gene. Well, Gene uh, was the, the world's champion in in distributing the Watchtower. No matter how many she distributed, they said that she had to distribute more in order to be saved. Right. And she told me, knocking <clears throat> doors all over this nation, she told me that the people she was converting were Baptists and Church of Christ and Methodists and Presbyterians, uh, people who gone to church all life but didn't know anything. Said I, she, as, as uh, Ron Carlson, who's an apologetic uh, minister, told me one time, he said, the average cult person can take the average Christian and twist them into a theological pretzel in two minutes flat because the cult person knows what they believe and yeah. the average Christian doesn't. Yeah, the, the cults teach their people. Uh, you know, more people convert from being a Baptist to a Mormon <laughs> than any other religious group. I mean, that's that says something to us. And I believe this is all because we our foundation is weak. And if there's anything, when I go to a pastor's conference and preach, one of the things I preach about is coming back to the basics and teaching those basics to our people and being faithful with what the Word of God teaches us. I'm not accountable for all the plans that that men may concoct around me or the church growth movement, but I am accountable to what the Word of God says. Well, why did the churches feel that they can't teach doctrine anymore? I mean, how is it hurting them? Is it hurting their numbers? Or they feel like they're going to be too inclusive and they're not going to be going out into the world? I mean, what is stopping them from teaching? Some of those doctrines are pretty uncomfortable. (laughs) I mean, you know, when you you start talking about sin and you start talking about repentance and you you start talking about the judgments of God and so on, I mean, that's that's tough stuff. And and that, that goes counter to the modern church growth movement that says, here, follow our plan. You'll fill your church. You'll have a successful church. You'll all be happy ever after. And that's not what the Scripture is Churches have moved then from saying that sound doctrine and growing Christians is more important, and then they said getting just numbers and filling the pews is more important. Yeah, exactly. And doctrine itself, that very word, let alone what it stands for. Most people don't even know what the word doctrine is. I mean, you say doctrine, and and they have no idea even what the word doctrine is. I believe we find that uh, idea or even the phrase that deals with doctrine about 50 times in the Scripture. It's pretty important stuff. Well, you know, doctrine can have a tremendous impact upon how, on your faith and how you live. Uh, for example, I grew up in a church that uh, said we, we were saved by baptism. Now, that's right. a doctrine. Right. Okay, so every time somebody sinned, what did they do? They went and got baptized again, and baptized again, and baptized again, trying to work their way to heaven yeah. instead of relying upon the grace of God. Because they didn't know anything about grace. I thought grace was a blue-eyed blonde. Can, can I speak to... <laughs> can I speak to that? Yes. Not, not to the blue-eyed blonde. <laughs> You know, we can't add to or subtract from our salvation. We either are or we aren't. I'll never forget hearing Walter Martin, who was a mentor to me, make the statement that you're either saved or you're not. It's like being pregnant. There's no (laughs) such thing as being a little bit pregnant. He made a great point, and it's true. And and once we get that to our people in such a way that they can understand it and they get it, then they can go on and do what God has called them to do. They they walk their Christian life out. 
so often we see people that uh, they're confused about works, and that's that's one of the things. If we just think we're good enough. Another one that comes to mind is uh, people's concept of God. Uh, is God the stern taskmaster? Is He the slave master? Is He the uh, one that is uh, looking for an opportunity to zap you? Or is He the cosmic teddy bear who just winks at sin and says, oh, well, you know, it's not all that important. Our very view of God can have a tremendous impact upon our faith and the way we live. Sure can. Sure can. And we, we need to see Him as a loving Father that, that wants to give us good things. The Scripture teaches so, uh, clearly in Jeremiah and so many other places. He wants it, but He's also a God who's going to judge sin. He's going to judge sin. And He gave us a way out. Again, Jesus, I, when Jesus came and died on the cross, He gave us the way right. out. Again, I grew up in a church that uh, taught me that the, uh, uh, there was not one verse in the Bible that even implies Jesus will ever put His feet on this earth again. That we shouldn't think about it. We shouldn't worry about it. It's all in God's hands. Don't be the least bit concerned about it. It's amazing. I ended up as a Bible prophecy teacher. <laughs> but uh, my whole life was transformed sure. when I suddenly realized that Jesus is coming back. He is coming back to this earth and He can come back at any moment. If you can ever convince a Christian, number one, that Jesus is coming back, and number two, it can occur any moment, it will have a purifying effect upon their lives and also yeah. motivate them to evangelism. Yeah. Eric, what do you tell churches? Uh, this is a big thing right now, especially with the postmodern, that idea that, that the church has been too inclusive and needs to get out in the world. But a lot of churches are hurting because they want their churches to be out in the communities. They want to do missions. What do you tell them that it's okay to teach doctrine that it won't hurt that movement towards missions? You meant too exclusive. And they want to be more inclusive. I understand exactly. Yeah, I'm sorry. What, I yeah. knew what you meant, and yeah. I wanted to clarify so Thank the you. folks would understand it. I, I think, again, the most important thing is re-examine what we're based on. Go back and look at what we are, who we are as Christians. And uh, you begin to teach those things rather than all these other things that are being called Christian around us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a couple facts I think will really illustrate okay. this because I think that folks are saying, oh, it can't be really that bad. <laughs> well, well, let me just read from my seminar outline. Uh, uh, this is from our, our DVD, Discernment or Deception, Which Will You Choose? And I quote the, the Pew Forum, which is a very widely known right. polling source. And they said back in December of '09. They said many Americans mix multiple faiths, Eastern and New Age beliefs are widespread. So are we immune to this? We're not immune to it. Just listen to this. According to the Pew survey, 65% of U.S. adults mix contradictory beliefs such as blending Christianity with beliefs in reincarnation, astrology, and the presence of spiritual uh, energy in physical objects. They also say that 28% of people who attend church weekly attend services other than Christian services. Now listen to this. 24% of Americans profess belief in a variety of Eastern and New Age beliefs. 22% of Christians say they believe in reincarnation. 25% of Americans profess belief in astrology. 23% of Christians say that astrology is okay. 23% of Americans believe in yoga as a spiritual practice. 21% of Christians believe it's a spiritual practice. Can I say, we all ought to believe it's a spiritual practice, but not believe in it. (laughs) That's the the difference. 39% of professing liberals, whatever that might have been to this poll, believe that yoga is a spiritual practice, and 15% of those who are conservatives say they do. 29% of Americans say they have communicated with the dead. That's necromancy, forbidden in Deuteronomy chapter 18. 
29% of Christians say they've done it, and 20% are evangelicals who say that's okay. 18% of Americans believe in the presence of ghosts. 17% of Christians say they do. 15% of Americans say they've consulted a psychic. Are you ready? 14% of those claiming to be Christians said they have done the same. 26% of Americans believe in spiritual energy in trees. and 20- Trees? Yes. <laughs> This is the environmental movie. This is the movie Avatar. Mm-hmm. 23% of Christians say they believe in spiritual energy and trees. I mean, this is, if you don't think we need doctrine taught, this illustrates how desperately we need it. Welcome back to our discussion with Eric Barger about the importance of Christian doctrine. Eric, I have a question for you. Could you tell us some historical examples of doctrinal drift? How, how does it happen, and how does it happen in history? I, I didn't know we had three hours, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you have a few, though, right? I do. Oh, good. Well, the good. very Reformation was about coming back to pure doctrine, yes. coming back to the truth. And, and then we see again as the, the mainline denominations. They were once the great evangelicals of That's their right. day, 150 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, they weren't called evangelicals, but that's what they were by the standards that we understand yes. that word to mean. Uh, we watched them begin to slide away. And the first thing that we saw was they, they decided not to talk out about social issues. They began to abandon the social issues that affected people that the Scripture speaks to. And so they gave up on those things. We, we've got all kinds of examples of this, of how this has taken place. Uh, by the time it's all said and done, in many of the mainline denominations and seminaries, you know, the Bible's really not true. The first five books of the Old Testament were written by four different individuals. That was Julius Wellhausen, a heretic from 100 years ago, who came up with the idea of the JEPD theory that, you know, that the first five books of the Old Testament were written by different individuals and not by Moses. And then they begin to attack the validity of the miracles of both the Old and New Testament. And pretty soon you have a, a different version totally of, of Christianity, even though it's still called Christian. It, it doesn't have much to do with the faith. And so we, we watched this take place, and now today with the emergent church movement and with so-called modern liberalism in the postmodern society, we're seeing a, a, what I call a satanic redo of what took place in the mainline denomination. So again and again, we have watched this take place. We need a reformation today inside evangelical churches to say, bring us back to the Word of God. We want to follow what God's Word says. 150 years ago, England was the center of world Christianity, sending out missionaries all over the world, translating the Bible. Most of the hymns that we have in our books were written by, right. uh, by uh, their pastors. And today, 7% of the people in England go to church, and most of those are apostate churches. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. The seminary I went to, Southern Seminary, is a great example of a return back to the faith. Uh, from, I wasn't there in the 70s, but yeah. supposedly they had doctrine gone really bad. And when I was there, they were some of the best doctrinally sound churches because of the revitalization that Al Mohler brought into right. it. So, or consider, speaking of schools, consider Harvard, Yale, and Princeton, yeah. all of which were founded as Christian universities. In fact, you go back and look at the founding documents and they say the purpose of this university yeah. is to bring people to Jesus Christ yes. and prepare people to go out and share the gospel. And today they're pagan uh, secular universities. They really are. That, that was, see, those were the standards for theological institutions in America, yeah. and we all see what's happened there. So, if anybody thinks it couldn't happen to you <laughs> in your church or your denomination, and uh, it can it happen can. fast. How does it happen? What causes this drift away from? How can you teach the Bible and teach doctrine, and one day you're not? And well, if leaders are not holding the Word of God up and and 
and uh, with authority, believing and teaching it faithfully, then those who listen to them will do the same. So it's the leaders then that are dropping There's the ball, a progression so that, that yeah. took place, I believe. First it happened in the leadership of the denominations and then into the pulpits and then into the pews. Well, how can a Christian be discerning about doctrine? You know, Jesus, in, in Matthew 24, the disciples come to him and say, Master, what will be the sign of your return and the sign of these things that you talk of? And Jesus didn't immediately go into a long dissertation about, well, watch for this and this and this and talk about prophecy to them. The first thing he says in verse 3 is, watch out that you're not deceived. Yes. This should be a, uh, I mean, that should stand out with red lights all over it as we read it in his Mm -hmm. word. Watch out that you're not deceived. Paul warns his followers the same thing, to look out that we're not not deceived. And, And so, once again, it's holding up the Bible and looking at what's being called Christian, let alone what the world is accepting, to see if it matches what the Scriptures say. And I always tell people, test me and everybody else that comes along All by your word. That's I mean, right. Paul uh, complimented the Bereans on testing that, him, and he was right. an apostle. That's right. <laughs> and, and he says in Galatians 1, if an angel from heaven or me should come back to you and preach something different than what I've already taught, don't believe it. Yeah. He was saying, what I've already yeah. taught you is the truth and it's not going to change. Well, Test everything by it. Well, basically what you're saying is that if you're going to be discerning, you've got to know the Word. And that's the problem today. Got to know the Word. You've got to know the Word. Yeah. And, and our teachers, our leaders, our theologians, our pastors, we need, we need people in those places, in those positions, who revere and respect the Word and hold it to the highest regard imaginable. Well, should Christians, because I have people write in saying they they seeing their church They've been in there 20, 30 years, go from a solid doctrinally church to just, you know, teaching fluff and butter. And they want to know, should they stay there and be a light to that church or should they leave? That's a good question, Nathan. That's a great question. How do you answer that? I have a message called Divorced from Church, How Apostasy Scatters the Sheep. And we have it on DVD. And I deal with that in it. And one of the things I say is, listen, if you really believe you can bring theological reform in your church, then stay. Try to bring reform. However, if you have young children or others who, who are being affected in a, in a wrong way by, by what's being taught there or not being affected in their spiritual life correctly, mm. then you have a responsibility first and foremost to lead your family in the things of God. But uh, now there's a lot of people in that shape. I get emails. I've got a stack of emails that deal with this. Uh, we, we've had hundreds of them, people who have written and said, our church used to believe and now we don't. Or, you know, I feel, um, I, I had a call yesterday from a fellow who was a, uh, a theologian. Uh, he was an earned doctorate Bible teacher teaching in a, in a theological institution, one that I'm acquainted with. And he was put out, basically. He oh. said, I'm in exile from my denomination mm-hmm. because I have made a stand on the Word of God, and they've decided not to follow it. And this, if I named it, was one of the great evangelical denominations that were known for their standard, holding mm-hmm. on to the Word of mm-hmm. God. Well, what is the difference, Eric, between tolerating differences of opinion and tolerating false doctrine? Because, it, well, you know, I, I may disagree with you on some aspect of Bible prophecy sure. or something of that nature. How often should we take communion and that sort of thing? But those are matters of opinion, aren't they? They, they are. And there are some things I call them peripheral doctrines. Mm-hmm. They're around the edge. Mm-hmm. There are things we need to have our positions on, and they're important. 
but they're not in, for example, the Apostles' Creed. Mm-hmm. It's not a heaven and hell or drop dead issue. Yes. yes, it's not something that we have to believe to be Christians. But there are there are certain doctrines of the faith, as we mentioned before, the Virgin Birth, Blood Atonement, Salvation by Grace, Deity of Christ. Many of those doc- those doctrines we have to believe to call ourselves Christians. Now, a lot of people, anybody can call themselves a Christian, but those are the things that make up authentic Christianity. Those other issues, love to talk about them, don't want to break fellowship on them with anybody, mm-hmm. and I think we ought to have our positions, but they aren't issues that affect my eternity. So it's these core doctrines of the faith. Well, let's, let's identify those uh, very clearly. Now, what, what would you say are the core doctrines of the faith? Well, I just began. Uh, first of all, the, who God is, the idea that there is a God who communicated with men. Uh, that He sent His Son to die on a cross and in substitute for me and for you and for anyone who would believe that He was deity, He was fully God and fully man. We see these things outlined in, in the um, in the Apostles' Creed. And mm-hmm. it's I have it linked on my website at ericbarger.com that folks can go if they've never seen it or don't know it. They can go there and find it simply by, by using our search engine. They can mm-hmm. find the Apostles' Creed. It's in the back of most of the hymn books too. But it's something that the Christians, uh, every Christian ought to know that those things are non-negotiables. Yeah. Well, uh, for example, with regard to cults, two things that uh, there are many things that characterize cults, but two things in particular. One, they always have a distorted view of Jesus. He is never the Son of God, deity in the flesh. He's right. Michael the archangel, or he, whatever you know. Or he and, was a man that became a god. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 Or second. Uh, 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 always a characteristic of a cult is that you have got to work your way to heaven. Boy, mm-hmm. exactly. In exactly. fact, that's one of the things that sets Christianity apart from every other religion in the world. Every other religion uh, uh, can be spelled uh, uh, do. That's right. Except Christianity. It's spelled D-O-N-E, done. Have you seen my, my DVD, The Most Dangerous Cult? We, we talked about that a couple <laughs> well, of years ago. as a matter of fact, ago. I have. Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> a couple of years ago we talked about this on the air, but that's, a, that's one of the... And that always catches people by surprise. What is the most dangerous cult? Is it the Mormons? Is it the Jehovah's Witnesses? Is it the Moonies? No, it's uh, those who claim to be Christians but don't believe the gospel. Yeah, works-based salvation. That's right. Creep it right and in I, there. the bottom line in the most dangerous cult is that it always is based on what we can do for God or the cult, but not what Jesus already did. For I had us. a lady write me a few years ago, and she said I have, was born into, and she named a mainline denomination, and she said I was grew up in it. And she said, I was faithful to it, and I was teaching Sunday school on a regular basis. And one day I really got into the Word, and I discovered I wasn't even saved. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know? I, I have talked to pastors who have told me privately that, you know, I was in the ministry, I'd gone through seminary, and at some point while I was pastoring the such and such church, I realized. I really don't know Jesus. I know all about Him, but I don't know Him as Lord and Savior. And if anybody watching us is in that shape, they need to stop and take. Why don't you just speak to that camera right now and tell? What is the difference between knowing Jesus and knowing about Him? Well, you can know all about Him, folks. You can know all. You can memorize His the the words in the Bible, and you can say, "Sure, I know He did this and this and this, and this is what we know about Him." But if you don't know Him as your Lord and Savior, if you have not personally invited Him into your life. And in doing so, then turn from the world and turn from your sin. That's called repentance. To follow Him and say, Jesus, I can't do it myself. I believe in You as Lord and Savior. If you've never done that, no matter how good you are, no matter where you were baptized or when or how many times, (laughs) no matter what you think about your own good works, none of those things can save you. Only what Jesus did can save us. It's not about us. 
It's about Him and us getting in agreement with what He did for us and what His Word says. Amen. Beautifully Amen. stated. And Jesus said that uh, the essence of salvation is knowing Him. Knowing Him. And that's what we have to do is get into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's right. Welcome back to our discussion with Eric Barger about the importance of Christian doctrine. Eric, your ministry has made this video, Discernment or Deception. It's a great video. Can you tell people how they can get it? Sure. That one and the other one we mentioned, uh, Divorce from Church, uh, and all the rest of our materials are available on our website at ericbarger.com, E-R-I-C-B-A-R-G-E-R.com. And uh, if you don't have Internet access, you can call our office at 214-289-5244. We also produce um, uh, biweekly uh, email newsletters and a bi-monthly newsletter and encourage anybody to get those. They're free of charge and love to put you on the list and communicate with you in that way too and help you have resources on how to defend the faith. What if they have a question about uh, doctrine or something of that nature? Can they send that in to you? I'm hoping they'll call you Dave. And, uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> Or Nathan. <laughs> Most certainly. And uh, you know we, we look for good sources to also align with and oftentimes I send folks to your website as well. Plus you have a lot of articles on your website don't you? So well, they can use the, do. uh, they don't necessarily have to write you. They can go first and just type into your search engine something about Mormons or whatever. And Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's why we have those there. There's over a thousand pages on our website. So people can go looking for different topics, whether it's something dealing with Christianity or the cults or the occult or spiritual warfare. And uh, they'll, they'll probably find something that's already been created that we have on the site. And you also do speaking at churches, don't you? I do. I travel a couple conferences. Hundred, no. Yeah, a couple hundred days a year in churches. <laughs> Is that and, all? <laughs> yeah, churches and conferences. And uh, just, So they can contact you through the website about that also? They can do that or call the phone number and we'd love to talk to any pastor about this. And we will go to all different kinds of churches and we want to go and help support a pastor who really wants to make stands. Well, folks, uh, I uh, have written a book about how Christians can cope with two of the greatest challenges of the 21st century, uh, namely the deterioration of society and the growing apostasy in the church. The title of the book is Living for Christ in the End Times. And uh, this book is divided into three segments, the descent into paganism, the Christian response to a pagan world, and the victory over paganism. In the descent into paganism, I talk about the fact that the two greatest challenges that we as Christians face at the beginning of the 21st century are number one, the decay of society, and number two, the apostasy in the church that we've been talking about. And then in part two, I talk about what we can do to cope with this pagan world that we live in, very much like Daniel living in the world that he lived in when he was in Babylon. And I have chapters entitled, Standing on the Word of God. Believing in the power of God, relying on the Holy Spirit, practicing tough faith, ordering your priorities, keeping an eternal perspective, standing for righteousness, persisting in prayer, surrendering in worship, and clinging to hope. And in the last section, the victory over paganism, I talk about the fact that we're going to win in the end. We're going to win when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. And I talk about the fact that we're living on borrowed time, that Jesus is at the very gates of heaven waiting for His Father to give the command. All the signs of the times point to the fact that He is coming any moment. And I talk about the importance of living, looking for the return of Jesus Christ. This book is available for a gift of $15 or more. And all you have to do is call the number you see on the screen there or go to our website at uh, lamblion.com 
and you can find a way there to order it also. Nathan, tell them about some other things they can do on that website like uh, signing up for our magazine. You can get the Lamplighter magazine, either a subscription through our resource center, or we can get it free electronically. It's a newsletter that comes out uh, once every other week. And you go that at www.lamblion.com and sign up for that. Our website is a repository of articles on Bible prophecy and apologetics. We have all TV shows, the one you're watching here, you can watch online as well. And it's just a great resource for getting in touch, too, with other Christians and discussions in the Facebook group and on our blog. And it's also a good way to pester you with questions. Yes, just click contact. There'll be a form. You can fill it out if you have a question. Send it to me and I'll forward it to Eric. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, Eric, uh, as we bring this program to a close today, I would like to invite you to come back a third week with us. We enjoy having you so much. We'd like to invite you to come back with us for a third week uh, to uh, talk a little bit more about these issues that we're kicking around here. Would you be willing to do that? You bet. Sounds great. Okay. We'll we'll look forward to having you back next week. Great. Well, folks, that's our program for this week. I want to thank both Nathan and Eric for being with us. And I'd like to invite you to be back with us again next week where we're going to talk about the validity of the Bible as the Word of God. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus.